Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever, good whomever, good whoever I may find you. This is episode 85 of Agitators Anonymous. I am Alan Averill, just a heavy metal singer, trying to find his way through this world. Yes, indeed. If you wish to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Alan Averill. There are other episodes, music, this and that, discussions. Um, prepping for the end of the world. All that kind of thing is happening over there. You can follow me on Instagram at nemtiango underscore primordial. Um, and also primordial underscore official is the new Instagram page of primordial. blah de blah yada yada. Right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Episode 85. I had a few different things written. Um, was mulling over a few ideas for what this podcast should be. And, of course, last week was about Rasputin. And I had it in my head, like, let's just keep doing a few of these characters, a few historical things, um, and try and keep some of the world events at arm's length. But that proved to be pretty much impossible to ignore, as we've sort of taken a big, big, big step backwards. Um, I mean, I do look at my listenership and there are people out there in Mexico and South America and Asia and South Africa and all sorts of places listening to me. Maybe send me a message to tell me how things are looking in your area, because here at least in Ireland, in the Anglosphere, in North Western Europe, things took a pretty dark turn um, over the last few weeks as we are now dealing with a whole new set of restrictions, rules, um, incoming mandates, imposed vaccination mandates, all sorts of things. So 
that's what prompted that's what prompted the title of this podcast and that's what this one is going to be about it's going to be a serious one if you're looking for some music some heavy metal and some um you know some mulling over some old historical character this one maybe isn't going to be for you but if you want some political discussion some observations of the culture wars some dissecting of the current state of the world a state of the world um, address for what it's worth then this episode 85 will be that so is the title inflammatory i mean look i'm as privy to the algorithms whims as you are and have learned of course that if you place an inflammatory title the chances are more people are likely to watch or listen right right i mean that's part of the paradox here um and so is the title inflammatory is democracy in the West actually under threat? Oh, come on, Alan, you can't really be serious. Well, I'm kind of serious. I'm pretty serious. That grey area that I conclude that most things inhabit has been moving more into the black lately. Um, could this be my mood? Could it just be me going crazy? It's also possible, but it could also really be happening. Um, on a continent that has seen revolutions, wars in the name of freedom... Um, could this really be turning its back on democracy in little under two years? It certainly seems like it, or at least we're on a slippery slope that might end up in some place where democracy seems somewhat incompatible with the circumstances we find ourselves in. So this is going to be a serious one, as I said, and I'm going to try and hold a line in as much as I can between both sides of the argument. And let's be clear, that is what there is right now. Moderate and rational voices are not usually what we hear. Or, well, look, we know why. It's because, as I said before, moderate woman says reasonable thing is not a headline. It's not what gets clicks. And so the algorithm, our relationship generally between um, each other has broken down because your vision or your version of the truth that your algorithm is telling you is probably different to mine. Um, so the idea that we all had some shared reality or where, as I said, the uh, metaphorical nuclear family sat down after dinner and watched the news, and that was something that which we shared with many other families across the world. Um, and the news, to a degree, was impartial. These things are have been, quite simply, destroyed. So moderate man says rational thing isn't going to get the clicks, it ain't going to get the headlines. And let's be clear, I feel that the divide-and-conquer strategy is now in full effect by institutions of state and power. With tech and pharma, the glove to the hand, so to speak. It seems pretty clear by now that what is being set up is a social and cultural showdown between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, so to say. Uh, while those who benef benefit from it sit at the ringside, seats and take it all in. Um, it's a binary choice. Are you good? Are you evil? Now, of course, we know that these binary choices are not how the world works, but this is how it's being sold to us. The brief window of easing restrictions we experienced, a small bit of normality returning was quickly, and as I predicted, quashed with who knew, a new variant. Omicron. Omicron. This is the new variant. Who knew, just in time for Christmas, there is a new variant. And somehow the narrative, this time linked the um, variant to AIDS. 
to Africa, and with a sleight of hand linked it to AIDS. Um, so without any real evidence, it would seem to vouch for its, um, its effect, its lethality, or whatever you want to call it. Um, apparently intensely viral, which is what viruses do, right? They mutate to survive. This is their nature and could evade vaccination. But yet we are all encouraged to get the vaccine. So I did some digging and found an interview with the doctor, um, the doctor who found this. And she's a South African woman and she sat there and politely explained there was a mildness of symptoms, no reason to panic. No severely ill patients, little or no admissions to hospital, and the level of panic does not correlate to anything that she has found. And that she really doesn't understand the level of panic, for example, in the UK and many other countries. Um, I mean, you might think if you were a skeptic that it's being used in order to facilitate measures of control. Are you a skeptic? Um, because there's a difference between a skeptic and a cynic is the rational choice, at least for me to be, as I said many times, um, to be skeptical of everything is the only rational um, position. Now we see, of course, the vaccine mandates across Europe coming in. And it seems as if Germany is following Austria to lockdown, locking down the unvaccinated. Um, well, actually, as Austria locks down the whole country, Holland, Belgium closed all moved to lockdown and closing society. Today I watched a video, um, an interview with a young woman who was sent to an internment camp in Australia for lying about being a close contact. Just think about that, an internment camp, which they said with glee was considered the gold standard, the gold standard in internment camps. I wonder, um, are the Uyghur Muslims uh, saying the same thing? I don't know. Is theirs a gold standard? I wouldn't imagine it's quite the standard of the Gold Coast or wherever it is on Australia. That was a nice connection I made there. Not really. Prison style, high walls. Just let that sink in. Could this happen in Europe? Of course not, you say. But who would have said that this could happen even in Australia? Um, a young woman who lied when confronted by the police at her door about whether she had um, not completed the track and trace form, was then sent for two weeks to an internment camp. Um, yeah, well, Ursula van der Leyen, who you may remember her name from my episode of the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset, and you can watch her and Klaus Schwab um, trading discussions about the reset, gave the introductory speech, as I said, as its anniversary, as head of the European Commission with links to Big Pharma. Um, openly calls for an EU-wide forced mandate, which is forced vaccination. So the alarm was sounded, as I said, about Omicron, and all our states jumped to close borders, restrictions on travel, further lockdowns, more restrictions. In Ireland, kids of 10 have to sit in schools all day with masks on. Of course, gigs and hospitality are gone. Um, we've probably You've probably all noticed the festivals that you thought might be happening with that small window of light that you were um, bathed in for a little moment are all now gone and cancelled. And I mean, when are they going to be lifted? Um, let's be honest, probably next March, if anything, if possible. Is playing, is any form of art or um, playing a gig or whatever you want to call it that's going to happen in public now simply going to be seasonal and you can just forget every winter because 
of another variant and another variant, etc., etc. Much of Europe sits on the precipice of moving back into lockdown, or at least that's what we're told. I'm perfectly aware, of course, that the amplification of bad news is what gets clicks and if it bleeds, it leads. And that's what the media leads with. They aren't really telling you, oh, hey, look, Croatia is opening up. Spain is doing pretty well. Cases are down across here, there and elsewhere. Oh, Poland is doing all right, etc. What's happening in Finland? What they're telling you is, of course, the negative stuff. And generally that, of course, the media is doing that in order to prep the ground for governments if they feel they need to move restrictions back. I mean, you know this. It's Propaganda 101 um, and history dictates, as I keep saying in many podcasts, history dictates and is on the side of those who should be sceptical. Um, and there you go. This is what we are told. We, weren't we told also, though, that a vaccination would prove to be the key to freedom? But the goalposts keep shifting, right? And as I said so many times, we'll continue to shift. And it's becoming pretty clear that soon the vaccine passport itself will become invalid and we'll need a booster, a top-up, a third and a fourth. And on we go to the Monster Energy variant or whatever. Maybe um, we can have some sort of sponsorship scheme put in place in various multinationals. We could have maybe the Red Bull variant um, seasonally, you know, maybe maybe even some sort of league table. I don't know. But is this really the future and how did we get here? Um, and if I do sound a little cynical, well, then forgive me, because maybe... Um, this situation, the inertia, the personal inertia of the situation, it can't help but get on top of you when every single movement you have day to day is now under the umbrella um, of these restrictions. And it does get to your mental health. Um, remember your mental health before you were called a COVID idiot? Yes, indeed. And how did we get here? And are we slipping into some form of biomedical, biometric health security state? And how is it that certain sections of society, it would seem, refuse to acknowledge the concerns of many people, people like me even? Um, I don't know. Is it because that middle ground has been destroyed in the debate and that we are living in some form of divide and conquer? This divide and conquer idea where settling this binary choice where one side of society is against another while the people who um, are, you know, in control of that structure simply pull the puppet strings and everybody is at each other's throats and we don't really get to hear the moderate voices in the middle such as that woman who was being interviewed saying well actually um, it's all a bit moderate um, and that we, you might be jumping to some pretty um, extreme reactions for no reason why wasn't her quote on the front of the paper instead of course it was New variant, new strain, you must blah, 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 blah. If it bleeds, it leads, as I've said many times. But how come a certain percentage of people don't seem to be able to connect or at least to consider the dots that might be in plain sight right now? Or is it just me being a little bit crazy? Um, the vast percentage of people, is it because their life hasn't really changed that much? My friend remarked to me, well, people just think it's for the best. They know they can't do the 12 pubs at Christmas, which was an Irish tradition to drink 12 pints in 12 pubs. Yep, get your neck down that one. Um, but they are busy in suburbia. Then there are the people who simply can't handle the onslaught of bad news. 
um, and are just exhausted with everything. I get this. I have many friends like that. They just don't want to be linked to any more stories about lockdowns and restrictions. And as I said, um, people being sent to internment camps. They just can't quite believe it. I suppose it's always that thing that when you heard about a murder on TV, um, it very rarely did it ever bump up against you. Bad news was something that happened in other countries. It happened in other places. Of course, Ireland had its historical fair share of bad news. And if you're from the north of Ireland, then of course, the troubles um, touched you. The degrees of separation were far, um, the, the rings of separation were far closer to you. But in many European countries, um, and I will go on to discuss this and argue this, it is our um, in the indulged nature of a safe society that has maybe caused this hysterical reaction to a small percentage of risk. Um, and that is part of the question because it is impossible to create a society full of risk. And in doing so, you do create another risk. And that risk is, of course, to freedom, to liberty, to civil liberties, to your inalienable rights, which I'm not going to stop banging the drum for. Um, but there are people, and I completely understand they are weakened by the onslaught of bad news then there are the people who are invested in the culture war um, and I'll go on to talk about this now in the in the next while but and they have been in my opinion sold a lie by the mainstream media and its instruments of propaganda that anyone who questions the party line um, is on the far right or is the enemy how did this happen that people on the new left and I say that because I count myself as a member of the old left so to speak you know, such as fair rent, fixity of tenure, the three F's, um, housing, education, etc. Um, not, you know, as I've said many times before, modern um, online uh, politics. Anyway, how did this happen that people on the left stand up to defend the profit margin of big pharma? So let's try and examine this. And I will try and ask myself to really be um, straight. Is democracy really under threat or am I being too over the top? So let's try and break these down into a few different things. Let's consider the culture wars. Now, I know this is a kind of polarizing um, expression for some people. And everybody's really, really tired of hearing it. What does it even really mean? But before the pandemic, the culture war was indeed raging, to use the cliché. Ten years of social media derangement had siloed people into camps, pun intended, in parenthesis, my dear Ursula. And then along came Trump and broke everyone's brains. He became the justification on one hand within the media and online for more or less anything. The gloves were off, let's say this. His opponents were in a war. And there ain't no rules in love and war, right, my friends? Well, subjectivity and truth became somewhat irrelevant. Um, if it wasn't true, it might be. And this was enough. What also happened in parallel was that um, Trump became the media's cash cow. Stories about him, well, this got the clicks. So I think a huge percentage of modern media, well, at least <clears throat> some of the most important ones in the United States, for example, um, they, they became captive to their audience. No one wanted to hear something, for example, in the middle, as I said many times before, or concede you know what, perhaps that Trump fella, he might say the odd thing that might hit near um, being a reality. Maybe, for example, when he discussed the threat of China, 
but it wasn't possible for anyone to be impartial. So the two sides duked it out um, and some massive cognitive dissonant dissonance was invoked. And so let's put that in the context maybe of the pandemic. In the beginning of the pandemic, Trump called it the China virus. And immediately a whole section of society called him a racist. And it would seem almost took sides with China. It appeared they would rather ignore the CCP's track record of human rights and ignore history in order to line up opposite Trump. If Trump had been pro-lockdown, I imagine a huge percentage of the people who supported lockdowns would have been against them. This is how polarising a figure he was. Um, a lightning rod for opprobrium in a way that we haven't really seen in modern society. And he just broke people's brains. Concepts like freedom and liberty ended up being pilloried as talking points of the alt-right because at the beginning of the p pandemic, you remembered those um, groups of Americans who tried to come out basically saying, we need our small businesses, we need our jobs, we need to work with our hands. We can't. We don't have an online economy. And how the pyjama party scoffed at them and called them bigots and racists and all sorts of other things. What is most scary about that? Well, it seems that the concepts of liberty, a word I keep on banging on about, it didn't seem to matter. Virtue defeated it. Saving lives, or at least the narrative of saving lives, became the binary cause that a section of society mobilised behind. Um, life was either good or evil. And this was the only definition that seemed to be seemed to be worth discussing. And who could argue with that? Saving lives. Are you good? Are you evil? And we see this in the debate now about the unvaccinated, where those who choose not to are cast as evil. What happened to bodily autonomy? What happened to my body, my choice? It seems not in this case. And certainly what was cast as evil was not the profit margin of big pharma, nor the power grab of politicians, nor the whims of an unelected elite of health officials paid for by aforementioned big pharma. Divide and conquer, right? So people were siloed against each other. And now we see almost like a wall of death for some mid-afternoon death metal band at VAC and everybody's about to rush towards each other while the band stand on the stage and watch on. But fellow citizens who for their own reasons, you know, and they have their reasons, many of them, they don't want to take the jab. Maybe it's a religious reason. Maybe it's a health reason. Maybe they are genuinely fearful. Maybe there's lots of reasons, maybe. No one discussed, or at least no one really discusses deaths anymore. The whole narrative, at least in my country, was about overwhelming the health services. But even now, that seems to have taken a back seat. In Europe, having travelled around some of it, and let's say more specifically in Germany and Holland and countries like this, the narrative now seems to simply be about that binary choice, vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And the unvaccinated are the ones who are going to be blamed for causing society's continuing restrictions and rules. Um, and so, but what was the real truth? I mean, it was almost impossible to tell. I mean, as I said before in a podcast maybe a couple of weeks ago, I went back over um, some of the news stories that Ireland had been, um, you know, on the front pages, on the back pages, on the third page or whatever, um, for the last 20, 30 years. And we heard this story every year 
about how the flu season was going to overwhelm the health services. And these stories aren't that hard to find. They're pretty much uh, a gold standard. Aha! They're a standard narrative that's told every winter, which of course is bad. I mean, no one can deny that. But rather than intense debates on um, intense debates throughout society on how do we fix the health services, build hospitals, for example, new frontline staff, what do we do, guerrilla trained staff, what do we do? We reach for lockdown as the answer. And this is because, in my opinion, lockdown is not a medical reaction anymore. It is a political decision. That, of course, is my opinion. You are free to choose to disagree. That is your right. But, and here's the problem, is that if your reasoning is simply just saving lives, then you can pretty much justify any authoritarian measures to do so. To say more young people under 30 died of suicide during the pandemic from the virus is true. Certainly in Ireland, certainly in Ireland, which has always had a very high level of male suicide. Um, and the pandemic, no doubt, has been a huge contributory factor. It has to be. How could it not be? And the sense of hopelessness throughout society is palpable. But this is not an argument because there is only one binary argument allowed. But what about the 74,000 people on the health service waiting list, which was on the front of one of the newspapers a few months ago? All the people who are going to die, consider all the people who are going to die of untreated, unchecked illnesses over the coming years because they could not get into a hospital and they were held at arm's length. I know for a fact here, um, well, I know from um, friends of mine who've had to deal with this firsthand. I've known it from my own family. Um, but in that, do we take our young sons to hospital? Well, first, call your doctor. Is the doctor in? no. The receptionist has to return a call. You need a referral to get to hospital. How many people die waiting to do that? I mean, I watched quite a lot of physicians and virologists, doctors who were sidelined in the um, big tech narrative, but who were discussing the simple fact that in their estimation, more people will die in the long run from lockdown. Nobody wanted to consider this. Nobody wanted to talk about it. And the mere mention of it is enough to cast you as a heretic. But it surely has to be a discussion if we're going to be even-handed in the debate. Or is it just a simple putsch to create a two-tier health system where those who have money pay, the rest may have to depend on the opioids that Big Pharma dish out. So people were rallied under the flag of their social conscience, made to believe they were taking part in a huge altruistic, empathetic crisis, doing their part by staying inside, sacrificing their freedoms and... Let's be clear that in a pandemic, there probably is a trade there, depending on the virulency of the pandemic, whether it was SARS or MERS or maybe something hugely fatal, then there definitely would be a trade-off to be made. But we pretty much knew what was happening with this particular virus within the first month or two. Um, but let's be clear about something. When people say things like, freedom doesn't mean just being able to do what you want, when they say that to me, when I try and debate these things, they sniffily argue with me. That is not the point. What freedom does mean, at least to me, is an inalienable right, which is not handed to you by the state for your good behaviour. It is also the freedom to make your own bodily decisions, your own bodily autonomy. But more importantly, it entrusts you with social responsibility. But all of these things have been removed. So 
Is that a threat to democracy? I would say yes. And do those freedoms return? I would argue probably not. So are they a threat to democracy? I would say most definitely. Class. Let's talk about class for a minute. And this is something I often talk about that I think a lot of people don't really want to talk about because they framed many of the things that were once class now as race, which also has some validity. There is no doubt about that. But I still think class is important. Well, both of those things are important. But I'm going to talk specifically about class, as I think there is an unspoken class element to this culture war that expresses itself within the pandemic. Um, I use the term derogatorily. Is that a right word? I think it is. The pyjama party, luxury hermits. Let's say middle class new tech people who can work from home, who've created a living that allows them to um, make to earn without leaving their front door. Younger folk who would most likely, let's say, fall into the woke. And I don't really like that word, but I'm going to use it now in this sense. The woke side of the culture debate. They seem to furiously be screaming at the working class for wanting to go back to work, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, for wanting lockdown to end. This is the hangover from Trump and Brexit for which these people clearly blame the working class. Those uneducated deplorables, the dumb racist working class want to end lockdown and get out there and hurt people and risk people's lives. But yet these same people cheered on Black Lives Matter protests at the height of the pandemic. Cognitive dissonance. I guess we were told that racism was a virus and so therefore this was allowed. I watched people from my own front door protesting in the streets at the height of the pandemic while we were being told to stay inside for the greater good. And this was the form of virtue signalling amplified by the narcissism of social media. To be seen to always be doing the right thing regardless of what the facts really were. Um, And so therefore I think classes has a much greater um, has a much greater resonance in this than we may think about. If you were in the suburbs and your children had a garden to play in and you had enough money to work from home, it seemed like those people were unperturbed by the concerns of working class people who maybe were in a flat or an apartment and all of a sudden had to homeschool with three, four, five kids whose father, maybe a taxi driver, let's say, could not go out to work. And certainly those people's uh, wishes to end um, lockdown were definitely vilified. But let's try and see it from the other side for a moment. To many people, these are just emergency measures which must be undertaken in order to defeat a very serious virus. So let's be clear, not for a moment am I underplaying this reaction um, or saying none of this exists. Of course not, of course not. Throughout the podcast, though, my discussions and fears have been about liberty and freedom. This is the prism through which I navigate things. This is the prism through which many of the podcast discussions are about. There are other podcasts, no doubt, if you want a more medical angle. But what was clear to me was that for many people, they simply didn't connect the dots. Um, They didn't see COVID policy as coercion. They just think one must do one's best to be a reasonable citizen, which is a commendable position. People invoke the spirit of the Blitz, but I think this is a kind of fatuous analogy. And I think it's... A big reach. It's a big reach on those terms. People knew very clearly at that time what they were fighting, what they were escaping for, and what they were bonding together as a society. This time, we are fighting what seems to be an invisible enemy. Very different, I think. But let's just consider democracy again for a moment. Has anyone actually really voted for any of the measures there through which we are living? 
Um, tonight, our unelected health officials are meeting and then leak their memo halfway through to somebody on Twitter, which says they're considering a whole raft of new restrictions based on what? Certainly ba- not based, it would seem, on anything but case numbers, nothing else. But yet they have to validate their own existence and to be seen to be doing something um, when looking over their shoulders at their European neighbours. But has anybody did anybody vote for these people? Did anybody vote for any of their measures? Did anybody say, yeah, I vote most definitely to close my small business, to place a curfew on society, to have smaller opening hours and all of these other restrictions on travel, on whatever else. Was it ever put to anybody? I said before that civil liberties have been suspended and democracy paused, and it certainly feels like that to me. Huge decisions from day to day are made at the seems a stroke of a pen, as I said, often by an unelected health officials who we did not vote for. What part do they have in the democratic process? Doesn't it seem that we've handed over a huge percentage of our democratic powers to experts? Experts. Follow the science, they tell us. Accept these new rules because science tells us so. I am science. But science itself is a constantly changing methodology. That's its nature. When our health officials say they're working off a worst-case scenario and not actual scientific modelling, then they are not working on a scientific basis. And this is the basis for more lockdown, more restrictions on your freedoms. This is not science at all. This is simply, well, it's many things. It's coercion. It is um, a payoff by Big Pharma, most likely. Well, it's my... Uh, opinion. It's saving your ass, as we talked about a few weeks ago, and by always being the most cautious and risk averse, because nobody wants to have any risk attached to their name. Is it possible to create a society without risk? This is something deeply interesting. The podcast reaches many people across the world, and they reach out to me from Asia, Mexico, South America, and they can't believe what's happening in the West or Anglosphere countries, and by that I mean Australia and New Zealand. They can't believe it. And these are countries where people very often try to move from to Europe because of its embrace of freedom and democratic values. And they cannot believe quite what we are doing and our our overreaction. Um, Part of it, I would contend, is that we've forgotten what hardship is like. And I'm not looking at you, Eastern Europe, but our society is too indulged too middle class, too safe. And liberty and freedom mean little to you when you haven't fought for it for a lifetime. You don't regard it. You don't respect it anymore. Certainly, at least in Europe, as I said, having traveled there in the end of summer and over many, many years, the attitude is very different. They had an authoritarian structure in place and living memory. We, further west, have seemed to embrace it. And this is what the most shocking to me is how many people seem to welcome the rules. They want to be told what to do. It almost gives them comfort to think that the state is tucking them in at night and keeping their family secure. But these are not the traditions Europe was founded on, even to consider the reasons for World War II. On a simple, simple level, I can't really dissect that right now completely, was a war against tyranny, was it not? Even though some would say that the greatest tyrant of them all came out the greatest victor, Mr. Stalin. I know it's more complicated, but is it really so quickly we seem to have forgotten what those words mean? Liberty and freedom. Liberté is enshrined. Liberté, égalité, fraternité in the French, well, what would you call it, constitutional motto. And could we have handed them all, or most of them, or some of them, over to an unelected cabal of pharma, health and tech? It seems possible. It seems possible we have. And I understand that for some people, their lives have not really changed in the last two years, and they just can't really see that. But 
what you have to try and take yourself out from is how it only affects your immediate personal circumstances. And I'm very worried that the narcissism inculcated in people by social media has almost made this impossible to take a look at the other. Quickly, we seem to have forgotten what these words mean. Liberty and freedom, as I said. And here is where the real worry is for me. You may call me crazy and that's all right. And as I've often said, it's about the grey area where we inhabit. I'm not married or wedded to opinions from either side to zero or 100%. Um, I've often tried to hold the line with many of the ideas, many of these things. Um, As I said, I'm not 100% wedded to anything. The truth is in the grey area. But to be adults and rational is also to engage in some of the uncomfortable topics and consider getting pretty close to the edge of where your line is. Where is your line? In the beginning of this, government scoffed at the introduction of vaccine passports. You may remember Boris Johnson saying that he would eat his. Well, he's certainly eating his now. Um, The day that his government seemed to have spent 144, um, ordered 144 million new vials of um, boost, boost from Pfizer at $20 a boost. If I am not incorrect at requoting that. If I am, kill me in the comments. But there he was saying how undemocratic it was, how un-European, how we would never go there. Our government said the same. Um, I remember a, a huge debate in Irish politics about just having ID cards, photo ID cards, which they said were against our civil liberties. And now here we are. You need a, a vaccine passport to go in and have your lunch, to go and have a beer, to go and do, let's be honest, it's going to become pretty much everything. How they laughed when the vaccine passport issue was mentioned, most European politicians, um, I had to go and um, go jump through four different hoops just to have a beer in Germany when I was at um, this gig the other weekend. And here's the real worry people like me have. And I think if you aren't remotely concerned about this, you need to be for your children's sake as the Overton window shuts on these things. If the vaccine passport becomes digital, which looks on the cards and gains you access to society, to life, then why would it stop there? We've seen for the last two years that nothing as was promised stops quite where it was um, where it was told, um, that the goalposts keep constantly shifting. So then why would it stop there? Why would it not include all your health data? Why would it not also include your social media posts, your social media history, a simple track and trace GPS, which maybe places you at that march or that protest, your property, your debts, maybe a conviction um, you have when you were 18 for smoking a joint. All of these things, fines you may have, traffic violations, um, all of these things move and match up. They're all coagulated, they're conglomerated, they're all moved to one centralised app. And this removes access to certain things. Why would it not be used to suppress dissent, to place you on a no-fly zone? What is the reason why a state or government, as we can see in Australia and many of the things they're trying to bring in, for example, why would a government not use these things? Do you trust? Do you trust these institutions to... Um, place all of this technology back on the shelf when the pandemic is declared over. If that ever happens, I would say not, right? And this one controlling device or app 
would grant or deny you access to the simple things um, in life, the, the things that make life, well, worth living. But also consider this. Um, the thing that will suppress, the thing that will be used to suppress dissent, to place you on this no-fly zone, this could just be an algorithm that is making these decisions. A bot. There's no due process, no attempt to appeal to some middle management or to appeal to a person, to another human being on a human level, that they got the wrong person, that you did this when you were young, that, hey, these are just social media posts. They're either meant to follow me around for 10, 15 years. These, these decisions are not going to be made by another human being. They're going to be made by the algorithm. And who programs that algorithm? Well, now. Why wouldn't everything become more centralised? More power. More power in the hands of fewer people. Sure, if you have nothing to hide, Alan, then why do you care? This is, again, a very reductionist and quite silly argument. Um, maybe you don't have anything to hide. But maybe it's not only about that. Your data is already being mined, even if you care or not. Why care? Well, maybe somebody is accused of something unjustly. Think of all the causes that you rally behind in faraway places one day to the next. Well, what about those causes? This could be your best friend. It could be your neighbour. It could be you. You could be accused of something unjustly. Oh, if you have nothing to hide. And this is right. Because, of course, nothing bad ever happens to those who don't deserve it. Right? It's a low argument. It's an anti-intellectual argument. Why care? Well, maybe somebody you, maybe someday you really do need to overthrow a tyrant. Like all those people you cheer on from the Middle East or Africa during the African Spring. Democracy is not the default setting. And you won't be able to, as you can simply be unpersoned from life for taking part in such a protest to overthrow a tyrant who really thinks granting the state more unquestioned power is a good thing. I certainly don't. The state, so on those terms, the state wants to lock down. It makes sense for them. It's a much easier job for them to have a locked down state. All it needs to do is update your phone that morning. Code red, Alan, stay inside till further notice. New variant is discovered. But is this the world we want to live in? Simply as an avatar, shopping, consuming and sitting inside with VR goggles on. Oh, come on, Alan, it won't be that bad. You know what? It might not be. It really might not be. But that's not the podcast, is it? That's not why you listen to the podcast for cheery, sunny side up advice. It ain't called Agitators Anonymous for nothing. The reality is, is what I'm describing or a form of it already exists. It's called the Chinese social currency system. You may believe it's a Black Mirror episode, but it's here already. And the signposts are surely well hammered into the ground that a vaccine passport granting you access to life is simply the forerunner to greater digital integration and power to state and tech. How could it not be? A form of biomedical, biometric state security state, where people are in a constant state of emergency and heightened fear of an invisible enemy with the state acting as protectorate, where dissent from the narrative is punished by the removal of social currency. Think I'm being alarmist? Maybe so. But maybe somebody needs to sound the alarm. Or, in my own small, tiny microcosm, drop in the ocean of a world that saves my sanity, trying to speak to truth, or at least to consider, to debate what could potentially happen, be the truth. I mean, like I said before many, many times, I might be completely wrong in nine months you can poke me in the ribs at a festival and go, God, lad, you were a bit over the top and lost your mind a little bit. And I'll go, yeah, you're right. 
I'm not saying any of these things are wedded on 100%. And of course, the truth is great. But if the truth is great to 20%, this radically changes the world that we live in, right? As a part of me thinks that, well, a part of me thinks that maybe the 1%, and let's just call them this surreptitiously, um, the 1%, let's call them that, can see clearly that technology is going to outstrip our model of democracy over the coming years, um, whether it's CRISPR or deep fakes or whatever else. Granting the normal public, people too much power potentially, the power in your phone potentially to be so great, um, as I said, if you look into, like, as I said, CRISPR and things like this, um, the pandemic is being used to revoke this potentiality, to remodel it, to reshape it, to reset it, could be, maybe. And so authoritarianism is going to be the only way to control tech, to control people. And the people either need to adjust to this and accept that their notions of liberty and freedom are things of the past, as they knew it, and this is the new reality. On those terms, then this doesn't end. Many people figured, oh, okay, I'll get the vaccine, I'll get the booster, and then we can emerge from this and I can get back to my life and be left alone. And here we are. You have to ask, does this seem likely? And those who didn't want to think about some of those things, in my opinion, better consider them. They better consider, is this really the society we want to live in? Um, of course, it may not be the society we live in. And I could have just gone mad, as I keep saying. Of course, the truth is grey. The truth is the grey area. And I'm, am I saying democracy is over? No. But certainly it is under threat. Civil liberty is losing the battle to health and safety. Reason and rationality are losing the battle to emotion and fear. Big farmers raking in the dollars. Tech is censorious, backing them up. And yes, I am a little crazy, I can admit it. And I may be off the mark, and as I said, in nine months, we can meet in that bar somewhere and you can buy me a drink. We can shake hands, hug it out, laugh it off and go and see a band. Stay out till dawn. Who knows? Leave our phones off. Make a snap decision to head to the airport and take the first flight out to somewhere new and go to another bar there. Who knows? But something tells me that ain't happening. I hope to be wrong. I hope to be wrong, my friends. This is a pretty dark one, but times, they seem pretty dark. Even though, when I go outside, there's cunts and Christmas jumpers walking around. So, you know, levity, and maybe I have just gone mad. Apologies for the C word. Indeed. Agitators Anonymous, over and out. It's Alan Averill. And I am quite far off the radar, my friends. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.